And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hold That Podcast podcast, everybody. As always, I am your host, Chris Branch, along with my co-host here, Brody Miller. We are of The Athletic. Brody, I, I think this is a pizza podcast now. What do you think? I'm amazed that like we talk all this in depth about all these things that we care about deeply, and then we talk about pizza for like three minutes, not even three minutes, and I think that's like 90% of our mentions now is just pizza thoughts and criticism. So I think you're right. A lot of opinions. I, I, I got some opinions also from uh, the email and, and other platforms. You know, some people hate Johnny. Some people love Johnny's. Pe- people have very hard opinions on crust size. I mean, I'm just a lot of hard opinions. I'm blown away. It's like if you're into tavern style, it seems like that is like a personality trait. That's the big takeaway I've had. Like, <laughs> if you like it, you don't. You will not accept slander. It's like this is the best thing ever. Well, I mean, my, I might my be view one on Tavern guys. is like, it is perfectly enjoyable. I like it. I don't I have like a lot of thoughts. Well, here's, I'm, I'm springing this on you uh, live, Brody. We did not plan for this, everybody. Uh-oh. I think that if we ever do a live show, it should be an adult pizza party. I think I know the right place. Really? Okay. Well, I mean, if that place is listening, if anybody has a pizza place that they want to offer us up for a, um, a live show... Talk to me, talk to us, slide in the DM, slide in the email, we'll do it. But, um, and you know, here's a great segue for you, Brody. In that show, we would probably talk about the football team, would we not? Possibly. I mean, it depends. If our numbers keep thriving on pizza content, I mean, we might just pivot. I don't know, but possibly. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about some football. You had a very busy week of LSU football. Uh, Brody wrote a great story that went up over the weekend that you guys should check out if you have not on The Athletic. And Will Campbell, man of the hour, the young man of the hour, let me emphasize, he is an incoming true freshman who is already the anchor of the offensive line, possibly. Correct, Brody? Fill me in. That, that It's true. I mean, and it's. I'll start, I'll preface everything with this, that We'd all been noticing Will Campbell looked really good for the first two weeks, right? We all, I bet you in notebooks, I saw him win some one-on-ones, he did some good stuff. But, I mean, from the literal first day of practice, Brian Kelly was like, he was raving about Will Campbell, but he was going out of his way also to say, do I think he's like ready to start? No. You know, like he, he was saying he looks great, but he's like, it's not like I think a freshman could start at tackle. You know, he was, and I think we've seen, every single day at practice them just trying different stuff so like when we saw will campbell getting first team reps one day we made nothing of it like hey let's not overreact because they are just trying stuff and will campbell is a freshman he's a promising one but all of a sudden you know i'm at the coaches clinic on on friday you know lsu coaches clinic and i'm you know trying to chat up some coaches and things like that and and two of them went out of their way to be like you know what? You know Will Campbell, man. He's the best of all of them right now, and it was like he's the most impressive guy. And it's like, oh crap! Like this isn't just a promising freshman. He's just the real deal. And so then 
you know, we come back Saturday and he is once again getting first team left tackle reps, which was which mattered because again, I can't think of a single practice where like anybody's really been at the same spot consistently. And and Kelly even said, you know, all right, this is gonna be the part of spring where you start seeing, you know, guys kind of start getting where they're gonna be. And, you know, and then Kelly comes and tells us, which really shocked us and to the point of the actual story. The offensive line's looking much more consistent, and it all started when we moved Will Campbell to left tackle. And he wasn't afraid. The same guy who two weeks ago was like, guys, chill on this. He's not like going to start, is now coming out there saying, I think, you know, this guy has shifted our line and made everything better. I think he's really impressive. And yes, he's a freshman, but he's also 6'6, 310, and a mobile one at that. He's strong and he has technique, so you know he can probably handle himself. And the idea that now this guy, you know, and there's also uh, – I'll wait, I'll hold, I'll hold that thought for a second. But I, I think that's really fascinating that all of a sudden he is the dude. And more importantly, I think what that does, which we'll get into in a second, is what that opens up for the rest of the line. But it right. is really shocking to see this guy who, since he was a sophomore in high school really, has been like, oh, wow, this is the rare superstar Louisiana offensive tackle. You know as well as I. They really don't develop them here on offensive tackle that well for whatever reason. It's been a weakness. Mm-hmm. And – for him to come in and be exactly as sold as five star kid, that's that's just huge for LSU because they've just as much as Louisiana struggled developing it, so has LSU on its own. Well, it's really hard to imagine, maybe outside of the secondary, a position that needed a solid answer yeah. more than the offensive line. To like you said, you know, um, and you wrote in your story about how if if he is sticking at that tackle spot, then it frees up. You know, maybe the more veteran guys that's going to play like Cam Wire, um, Garrett. Well, I'm blanking now, of course. I almost said Garrett Dellinger. Um, but it frees up a lot of those older guys to move around and to be more uh, versatile and just to really shore up the strengths. And Campbell being a strength early is something that I don't think we really expected full, fully, right? Am I wrong? No, not at all. I mean, no, you're right. So, I mean, it's just like. It's really encouraging to the fan in me. Um, what, what do you think about how uh, all the other guys are moving around? Yeah, I think there's something. I mean, I, I, I think I can say this even better as we always joke about me being a Bengals fan. And, like, also I'm kind of a line nerd in some way. But, like, I think the misconception is with offensive line that, like, you need just, like, five. You know, it's all about having, like, five studs when sometimes it's really about having, like, one stud and then that takes up so much gravity you know for using like basketball terminology and then that like opens things up and it's really about limiting weaknesses right i think that's really what offensive line plays about it's right. like you want a stud or two of course but so much of it's about not having more than one weak link or none if you can avoid it you know and that's the story of the Bengals line right it's that they had like two obvious weak links and that opened everything not up. anymore yeah right yeah thank you but uh i think you know, what Campbell, he's just this special talent. And, of course, I don't think he's going to be all SEC as a freshman. But that does kind of elevate everything a little bit when you got that guy that people are excited about. But, anyway, to your question. Yeah, I think what it does is, okay, you know, for example, I think we've seen Cam Wire was kind of always like the assumed left tackle. And Cam Wire is a solid player. But Cam Wire has injury problems. And, you know, he's, he's not, you know, he's been around for a while. And, you know, that goes sometimes. He's 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 solid, but he's probably never going to be like a stud. And Marcus Dumerville has been taking reps at right tackle a lot. He's been getting a lot of first-team reps. Now you can focus a bit, right? All right, left tackle. Let's say hypothetically that that is set in stone. I don't think it's set in stone, but pretty close to it. Say he has that. Okay, now 
you can have these two guys really getting those first team right tackle reps, really competing, really figuring out one of them can be like the swing guy and, you know, all that. And all of a sudden you, those guys can get better. And then Garrett Dellinger, for example, you know, he's a guy top 100 recruit last year, saw the field at like three different positions, cross training, multiple spots. He's out with that shoulder injury right now. Well, now you don't feel an extreme pressure to make him your right tackle when he comes back like you would have before, possibly. Now you can be like, all right, where just where do we need him most? All right, maybe he's guard. Maybe he's center because he's cross-training there too. You know, or maybe he does go to right tackle, but you have flexibility there. And then, you know, those guard spots, it's like, all right, maybe you move Dellinger inside. You know, Miles Frazier and Tremont Shorts, the two transfers, both of them were tackles at their last stop. But, hey, looks most of what I've seen, they've been taking more guard reps, which makes sense. You know, you change divisions and all of a sudden the physical dimensions change too. And, like, those guys might be your starting guards. Or Marlon Martinez, who's also been hurt. He's going to compete at center. But now you have flexibility there where he's going to compete at center and he can compete at guard. And Cardell Thomas is actually making growth. I should acknowledge that. But – it's a long. I'm mentioning every freaking guy on the line, but it's a long way of saying I just think when you start locking down one spot and you have like an anchor, it gives you more comfort and creativity with the rest to really – then you can focus. And I think focus helps development where it's like you know what you're doing. You're not just getting tossed around everywhere. Does that make any sense? It made total sense. And I, and I think there's a lot of um, – I just think it's encouraging overall because – like I said, it's a, it's an anchor, it's an answer at one spot, and it, it frees up a lot of talented guys to slide into place other places. I mean, like you said, it, it's all about weak links. Weak links. But, yeah. Um, and I think they're getting to a point. First off, they're still recruiting Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt. It's going to be a tough one to get from what I gather. But at the same time, like he also would all of a sudden mean you were really set at tackle if you land him. They really want him. But also, like... I think they are getting closer to the no weak link thing. You know, I don't know how great it's going to be, but as we've talked about, I think the main thing Brad Davis did a great job of throughout start to finish in 2021 was getting those like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, getting those guys who were like cast offs, like to suddenly be like 79 overalls. You know what I mean? Like, oh, right. you, can, you can play him. You know, like Marlon Martinez mm-hmm. is one of the best examples. Um, I think Doomerville's probably an example. Dellinger, like, it's like, oh, okay, I don't know if they're studs yet, but you can play them, and that's so important. So all of a sudden you feel like you have, like, seven or eight guys who you can at least play. The tricky thing is, are any of those other guys studs? I don't have the answer right. to that yet. And we didn't even mention, by the way, Charles Turner has been playing really well at center. Kelly does not think he's locked it down by any means, but still, that's the biggest question mark of the whole spring. And, by the way, Martinez is still 100% in that competition. He's really good, but... I think Kelly's been really pleased just with how Turner, fourth-year guy, really good athlete. It was one of those guys who came in as like a tight end hybrid, but they knew we we're going to make him into a lineman, so he's really athlete, athletic. Um, him holding it down as well as he is is also promising because you know you at least have a guy, you know? Right. I mean, it it kind of shifts it in my mind from a position of worry to a surprising position of strength. I don't know if i go far as saying strength. Mm. You know what I mean? we got to find the middle here. but I know. It's definitely not like a glare. There's at least some answers. You know what I mean? Like before it was just five question marks. And now you're like, okay, you know, we should hold our own. Got some stability. And yeah. the I just feel like there's a lot of talented guys in the room. Maybe that's maybe that's the optimist in me. No, I agree. I'm not no, I think the upside you're finally at a point where you actually have some upside, which I feel like they haven't had upside really in a while, right? And, right. Yeah. And I don't know how stable they'll be, but I do feel like the upside's there. And also I we should mention Emory Jones is still coming and there's some people who think like even he can actually get in the mix. Like he's really talented, really good recruit out of Baton Rouge. So, like 
yeah, I, I think there's some pieces to play with there. Um, and the other thing I'll throw in with Campbell that's just like, I don't think you'll ever hear a coach say this. This is me speculating. But I also bet there's a little bit of, again, they know this year isn't going to be some superstar year, right? And it's like, tie goes to the long term, right? Does that make sense? Like, say mm-hmm. it's close and maybe like Campbell's showing more signs. I think it's going to be really valuable if he's ready to make him left tackle right now. So he's getting this like tons of valuable, valuable experience. Like, you know, like a young quarterback, like Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville, and where all of a sudden by year two, when they're probably competing a bit more, you might have a star left tackle now. And I think there's value in that too, that that, that part probably can't be spoken, but I think it's there. Right. Uh, encouraging stuff. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creeping toward 11 win Chris. Oh no. Uh, you know, I want you to get there. Cause it'll be a better podcast if we're arguing about it, but yeah, well, there's time. There's plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. So I want to touch on a topic that I wanted to ban for a couple weeks, but it has naturally presented itself. And that is my plot of land on Emory Island, because <laughs> if these guys are blocking, for a former five-star recruit who's had his troubles at LSU, whether his fault or not, and now is in a position where he's impressing the new coaching staff, and he looked good in practice. Am I wrong, Brody? Yeah, he's looked really good across the board in practice. Like, yeah, there was that one where we saw a fumble or two, but, like, I don't know. That didn't really worry me. He's looked really good. We've mentioned how physically built he looks, but he's just looking impressive in each practice. And and we saw in in Saturdays, as I tweeted, like, there was one rep where (laughs) – it sounds like I had somebody in my DMs arguing that the whistle was blown before this happened, so it was why it looked this bad, but I don't know. But basically, he ran over Joe, safety Joe Fusha and just, like, stayed up and kept going, you know, and it was a really impressive run by Emery, especially because Fusha's a really physical safety who's laid out some people, so it's not like it's some nobody's running over. Yeah, Emery looks really good. I mean, I think it's – I never want to overreact to, like, an LSU social media clip, but even that, that video they made with Mike Denbrock where he was mic'd up, there's that scene yeah. after he fumbles where he's like, all right, you know, you know, hey, it's not like we're going to stop giving you the ball. I'm not going to let that happen. Like, there really are some unspoken vibes that, like, he is the guy. He is going to be, like, the star if he gets it all together. And then you compound that with Kelly's been really we, – we, first week of practice, he was really high on him with me. But then this week even further went, like, he is doing everything we ask of him. The off-the-field stuff – it sounds like he's implying has been like he has stepped up in every way and gotten all that handled. And it's always tricky to also clarify, like, cause we all know, right. There's guys who have like an issue, but there's also guys who are like the bad eggs mm-hmm. and John Emery. It's always worth John Emery was never in the bad egg camp. I don't think, or at least not like John Emery's a good, like liked guy. He's not like a problem. I think there was just some issues with like overall commitment, stuff like that. And, and I think he's kind of ironed that out. Kelly, I don't have the quote in front of me, but Kelly had some really strong quotes Saturday about like he has gotten the commitment down and now like football and academics are his focus. So I, I think there's reason for a lot of optimism on John Emery Island. I was there last August and then it fell through for obvious reasons, but and so were you. Uh, but yeah, man, it might be yeah. time. I mean, I on a, on a, a real note, it, John has been through a lot in his time at LSU from being the up-and-coming star on a national title team to – uh, LASIK surgery. Do you oh, also that to being freaking humbled during that national title run, like getting benched. Yes. Joe Burrow, yes. like literally telling the coaches to pull this kid because he missed a block and didn't know what he was doing. Uh, that's a great story, actually. But uh, and like, yeah, to continue, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and then with all the academic stuff that may have been his fault, may not have been his fault, it's it's in the past now, but been a, been a tough time for John uh, yeah. at, at LSU, and I'm very impressed that he's still here with yeah. the transfer. It would have been very easy to transfer, and he would have had a ton of suitors. So I'll be inside painting my award uh, posters that I'll break out halfway through the year if he, if he does well. Uh, but they're, they're going to stay inside the house right now, but I'll put them in the yard you know, probably a little too early, but they're still going to be there during the season. Yeah, I think you got to make sure people see them now. You know, you can't just put them up later. So I think it's the right call. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we have to get to now of who will be handing John Emery the ball God. On, on, on first and 10 against Florida State. Um, as you wrote, Miles Brennan and J- Jaden Daniels were, are the seemingly top two guys, but, but that guy who throws the ball real good, who I kind of swooned over last episode, Garrett Nussmeyer, sounds like he's, having, he's impressing some people that he might actually be in this competition for the starting job. Is that, is that right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It sounds like it, you know, and the main thing here to take away is, is that it, it's just, I just don't think it's just a two man job. And I've been guilty of kind of framing this as, let's be honest, it's a two man job, right? I mean, two man race, sorry. Like, I really right. think we all kind of have operated under that assumption. And, and I always we all said, like, Nussmeier's talented as anyone, just, you know, just probably gonna take a little time. And, you know, then again, back to the coaches clinic, he talks to some people and it's just like, hey, I actually think Nussmeier's actually had the best camp so far. You know, like Nussmeier's the one who's been the most kind of consistent day to day and his talent is obviously through the roof. So it's not like he's just stable. Uh, I think, you know, what I've heard, he's kind of playing within himself more. You know, he's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. and, he, and he talked about that in his interview, uh, I believe last week as well, you know, about how he's. He even said, I'm not just some stupid gunslinger, I believe was the quote. And, you know, because he's smart. That's what makes it so tricky. I think he got labeled as, like, one of those, like, Manziel-like just gunner. It's like, I wrote a feature on him before he came here. He's smart. He thinks things through. He's, like, a well-thought-out kid. He he used to write, like, uh, weekly diaries for SI.com, like, about his recruitment and, like, his life. Like, he's a smart kid. I think he just... I think he was in this kind of zone of like knowing what that balance of like what you can do versus what you should do and all that. And like, here's your talent, but how do you get the most out of it? And I do think things are clicking. And as we talked about the last two weeks, like there are moments in spring where he's thrown the best ball. Like he, he, he makes the best plays, but you're just kind of like, yeah, but he's wrong. And I think we, maybe i guess how would i phrase this maybe we have overplayed the maybe he's not as raw as we thought. Yeah. I think we've overplayed that card like a little bit and he became so like, overrated he was underrated or something um because yeah basically my takeaway is i'm not saying i think nussmeyer is going to win the job but it's it's a, at least a three-man battle 
And uh, I've also, you know, to bounce off that, you know, they, they, some people still, some people said Jaden Daniels had like two of his best practices last week and he really clicked. And as I talked about, Brennan's looked really good. So I think it's a battle. Now there is the element of course of, you know, maybe they don't, if it's close, maybe, you know, I think Nussmeyer's patient. I don't think he's trying to book it out. So I think he mm-hmm. maybe you let him have part of bringing Daniels in, I think was to let Nussmeyer keep developing. So maybe you don't force it if you have somebody older who's ready, but I think it's a battle. Best guy plays. Um, Best guy plays. Yeah. Do you... We don't imagine that they're going to name a starter at the end of spring, right? I would be pretty shocked. Yeah. I think you'll start seeing more of a pecking order by the end of spring. You know, like more of like, here's the actual reps. But I Mm -hmm. do not think there will be a starter. Okay. Because, you know, with the transfer portal... And one day I'm going to stop saying that, maybe in 10 years, when I when it stops being new to me. But, I mean, it, the, the way kids move now is different. So, you know, is if, say, Miles Brennan gets the job, is Jaden Daniels out of here by, by the end of spring? Is he sticking around? Is Like, I'm just, I, I'm fascinated to see how that works now with a crowded race, a three-man race right now for the starting quarterback. And like you said, it doesn't seem like Nussmeyer is leaving, but still there's, there's a lot of dudes in that room. And if there is any clarity that one of them might not be the guy and depending on that guy's situation, like, I just feel like I wouldn't be shocked if somebody leaves at the end of spring. Is that, is that off? It's not off. Um, I will say my first answer is I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I very rarely Mm -hmm. just flat out say that. I don't know. Um, I would be pretty surprised if either Howard or Nussmeyer left in the next few months. Yes, I'd be pretty surprised yeah. by that. Um, and so obviously it goes back to Daniels and Brennan. The, the, the thing that helps their case is both of them are graduates. Right. So is unless I don't, I could be so wrong, but I don't think there's anything stopping Daniels from going somewhere else right away. That's um, what I'm wondering too. Yeah, I don't think because he is a graduate transfer. Um, now there might be more... The one I don't, I would love to look into is because obviously the deadline's already passed for the free exemption transfer for normal classmen uh, within the SEC, right? You can't go SEC to SEC anymore without having to sit out. But I don't know if the grad transfer thing makes that different. I just literally don't know. But um, yeah, it's like Brennan, he's just, he's not going to sit out another year. There's just no way. So if he gets the reading writing on the wall that it's time, you know, that it's it's someone else, yeah, I, I think it's reasonable to think he might leave. Daniels is tricky because he does have the other year, and he talked about, like, needing to get better and all these things. You hear mixed things. There's some people you talk to are like, he gets it, and, like, he wants to stay two years if he needs to. I talk to a lot of other people and some stories I've written, and it's like, this is he's he left to go get his NFL stock up. So, like... That's what I'm struggling with. So I don't know. And I, if we're just being realist, yeah, it's reasonable to expect one of those two won't be here in August. But I also don't exactly see where it happens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's totally. like if Brennan didn't leave before, like what's his place right now that's like no-brainer, I'm going there and I'm the guy. I don't really know. And then Daniels, it's like, man, he left for another school, didn't get the job. What's his stock? Like, so that's the, I don't know the instrument, you know, I don't know what it looks like, but it's reasonable. Of course. I'm not sure about Daniel's transferring twice. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if that's allowed to go to another school after you just transferred into a school. I'm not sure. 
I'll have to. Well, we'll we'll, we'll check on that for you guys, or if one of you knows, let me know. Um, but I'm just I'm just fascinated to see because you're right. It's and maybe both of them stay, and we have this two headed quarterback monster thing that I've never been a fan of at LSU. But maybe it works then. I don't know. We'll see. It's it's going to be fascinating. But the the other thing is that we're not going to have like final resolution this spring. You know, definitely not. Yeah, definitely. Not. Um, let's see. Oh, let's talk. Let's talk about the secondary. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I, I um I zoned out there for a second. Um, okay, buddy. The secondary, our other big worry. Uh, you had a note in there about Jarek Bernard Converse being out for the spring. He has a Jones fracture. They don't seem too worried about him, though, right? Yeah, they don't. They, you know, I think he's been out for a few weeks, quite frankly, and we've noticed he's been out. But you know, it was the first time we really had a good chance to ask about it. And yeah, Brian Kelly told us he had a Jones fracture. I think he got that repaired a few weeks ago, and he is there. There's no real concern. They think he's going to be good to go for June summer workouts and all that. So. That in its, own, in its own isn't necessarily worrisome, but I think the big takeaway, and I think I wrote this in last week's like seen and heard piece, was I think there's a thing though of like when he's gone, then you really notice the depth problem where it's like, okay, yeah, you added three transfers at three corner spots, you feel good about all three of them, but when he's gone, suddenly you're starting outside corners are Mackay Garner from UL, who is a physical stub. I'm not like sure he's ready to be an SEC corner. And Demarius McGee, who, you know, is young, I just don't think has that high of stock yet. And it's like, I'm like, Ray Darius Jones is behind him. And you're just like, oh, as much as those transfers look good, like, this is really thin. And Greg Brooks is awesome at nickel. Um, and we'll get to that in a second. But it's like, oh, this is actually concerning. So I think the takeaway from Bernard Converse being out is they need to get more creative. They need to figure something out because they can't just assume these three guys are going to be healthy all year. You just can't. So they have to look into something more. I think there's two things going on behind the scenes that are going to be really interesting to track. One, yes, there have been several, you know, I think there's a lot of indications that LSU is in the driver's seat to land Ohio State transfer seven banks. That's tricky in its own right, but I'm going to save that for a second. And then, Mm -hmm. which I think will probably happen in the coming days. And then... The other is Greg Brooks, the the corner from the nickel from Arkansas, had, from what I can tell, a really good spring. I've talked with him on here a few times. Um, it looks he told us Saturday that he's actually going to like the second half of spring. He's moving back to outside corner. Like they like before spring, they planned on that. They want him to like practice at both, and that's fascinating because when you think about it, and I'm not saying this was literally their plan. I don't want to put words in their mouth, but from my perspective, when I look at the depth chart, it's like you feel kind of decent about nickel because it's like, all right, you got Brooks and then Sage Ryan's this five-star really good talent behind him. But outside corner, you don't really feel good about the backups right now. So it makes sense to maybe add some flexibility. This is speculating, but like, so that, hey, if you need Brooks to play outside corner, he can, and then you slide Sage Ryan up. That makes a lot of sense. So I think that those are the two things worth following. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's interesting. And that's a seven with a Y, by the way, for everybody Googling. <laughs> it took me a second. Um, I, I mean, it, it all tracks. Yeah. I think the thing everyone needs to follow with seven banks, though, is health. So seven banks was a perfectly good Ohio State corner, right? You know, like Ohio State cranks out corners. I don't think he's one of their like special guys, but he is a solid corner. Did his job. You know, I think he's. Let's put it this way. I think he was good enough to – he wasn't a liability. He was good enough to play at Ohio State, which means he's definitely good enough to play with his LSU cornerback room, right? I think that's fair. Now, 
What's tricky is he had a really bad hip injury. And first off, hip injuries are as scary as anything. And he also had a knee injury last spring. But you you also just kind of hear some things about like his hip might have been, you know, like there might be some real issues with that hip. So I say all that to say you would hope LSU is doing its due diligence on, you know, the physical there, making sure he's good to go, all that. I guess it's not the NFL where you can like – wait to give a scholarship until the physical i don't know but but yeah i think that's something they really got to do due diligence on counterpoint you have a few scholarship spots open maybe it just is worth that risk because it's all about depth anyway right now right maybe it is mm-hmm. worth the risk to be like hey he might not be you know even if he gets set like maybe he's fine and now you got four good corners <laughs> and maybe he's not but it's like he still like was able to add depth until then i don't know but that's the big question mark with that you have to follow and then the other mm-hmm. side of things let's say Brooks goes out to outside and say Ryan starts a nickel. Say Ryan's been banged up. I mean, he was banged up all of his freshman year. And then Greg Brooks even told us, he's like, yeah, Sage looks really great, but he's like still dealing with some nicks here and there. Like, so I think, you know, we're on year two basically of Sage Ryan always being kind of banged up. So I don't know if you're like a hundred percent there either, which goes the overall takeaway from this is I think they're doing a good job of like covering different bases for different scenarios. You know what I mean? So that right. like you are probably covered if you need to go to Sage and then if Sage is hurt, okay, it makes sense. Cause now you got seven banks like in that, if they get seven banks. So I just think there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on at corner. And I don't know if that's going to work out or not. Something to watch. And you know, maybe as the offensive line kind of shakes out, we could, we should turn our focus to that secondary as a, uh, over analysis, uh, offspring or wellspring, I should say killing it with the, with the words today. Nailed it, buddy. Um, I Brody, I think it's time to get to our favorite segment now. Last five minutes club, baby. It's the last five minutes club. All right. I do have to acknowledge friend of the podcast, Emil McClellan. He's, he asked last week as an addendum to the pizza, what is your favorite pizza topping? I want you to give me two toppings for a pizza that you will go for every single time. If that's all you get. So I, I'm sorry, man. You're going to like really get mad at me. But the truth is I am like a pizza minimalist in a lot of ways. Ugh. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, don't, I'm not going to not eat something with a bunch oh, of toppings. Oh, you're going to tell me, oh my God, I'm, I'm really like a great cheese or pepperoni pizza I, I, is what I'm going my for. My rule is I, I, I will, ref- the first time I go to any place, I judge it by its pepperoni. And yeah, like most of the time I'm craving pizza is because I'm craving a pepperoni pizza. Like I still love the other things I'm going to eat. I'm not like, this isn't like a take that I think it's the only right way. But yeah, man, when I want pizza, I'm craving a pepperoni pizza. So pepperoni is my answer like i'm not gonna apologize for that um nothing else you'd add to that i mean like no there's tons see, of things that's the thing but like if you're asking me what i'm gonna order that's it i'm gonna order pepperoni every time but yes there's so many other things i love on there you know it's not one or the other like i do love a mushroom that ranks pretty high um yeah, yeah. this isn't a topping so i guess this is a, not it's just cheating but i love a really especially here we have so many places i do it well i love a perfectly executed white pizza like where they really know what they're yeah. doing, like the, the the ricotta, you know, all of that. It's just like perfect. Um, so I don't know why I've been watching so Sopranos lately. I just really wanted to, <laughs> like, it's one of my favorite things. The way they just overpronounce like random foods. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think those are my like. I like a bacon if it's on there. Um, those are my main. Like, I don't like pineapple on pizza. I'm not gonna go like I don't. I don't make it a personality trait like some people do, but. Yeah, it's not my thing. I, I am a, I am a big pineapple and pizza guy. I Haters, so is Claire. Please come at me. It's great. Um, it's what I get at Florida Lee. Anyway, moving what? on. What really? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I get a Hawaiian pizza for it. Wait, you didn't tell me Canadian yours. Bacon All you pineapple. said is pineapple. Canadian bacon pineapple. Those are your two. Yep. What were Emil's? I don't think Emil offered. He just he just asked for for topping discussions. Well, you so gotta work up we... your friendship level. You know, ask about other people too. You know, that's that's healthy. Uh, it's, it's fine. Look, okay, we have to move on from this. Enough pizza talk. Uh, or maybe if you guys send us a lot more pizza stuff, we'll talk about it. Um, I have a last five minute question that pertains to LSU. LSU football, actually, from uh, reader Catherine Briley, listener Catherine Briley, I should say. Um, I really liked her question here. She probably noticed that Tyron Matthew had a parade around LSU's campus last week. Uh, and <laughs> rightfully so. Tyron visited every single sports facility, it felt like, and was. And did an interview he, with everybody. It's honestly amazing. I mean, I, I know you weren't here when Tyron was here, but it was my senior year of college. Um, it is incredible that Tyron is, you know, so loves LSU still after. And we don't really talk about how, what a poor end he had at LSU. And looking back, I, I think LSU might have treated him a little poorly. Um, it was just a different time. And, yeah. you know, we, we don't have to rehash everything, but. Uh, Tyron did not get the right end of the stick at the end of his LSU tenure, and yet he is papered all over the LSU facility. Uh, the new head coach uh, welcomes him, him in like a king. Um, they they literally, the base- second he steps off the plane, social media is putting up like a, he's on, he's in town. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. God. I mean, he he has a baseball jersey. He's throwing out pitches. He is he is just Mister LSU, the king of LSU, and and I love it because I love Tyron, and he's he is. Uh, arguably one of my favorite players ever besides Joe Burrow. It's, it's tough to choose between those two. But anyway, I, that all comes to how Tyron has said that he wants to be LSU's head coach one day. Yeah. So Catherine asks, she asked to build out a coaching staff. Catherine, I think that's a lot. I would love to hear people's suggestions. We can try. But what I'm going to ask you, Brody, is the players that you have covered here who do you think are your top three head coaching candidates from those teams? From the teams just I've covered? Because I feel like we yes. can, can we just go all LSU? Because Tyron is up there. Um, yeah, but I mean, you, I like I was I, I was trying to be nice to you because you you know you well, weren't I'm around the I'm just saying we don't put firm rules. I might lean toward those, but because like okay, it's tricky, right? I have a lot of thoughts on the player coaching dynamic, right? Like, hey, shoot, if you're watching. Uh, Winning time. You learn, like, Jerry West, one of the great basketball minds of all time. Help, one of the great basketball GMs ever. Just not meant to be a coach. That's pretty common, yeah. right? Like, when you're the best mm-hmm. player, it's actually really hard to be a great coach because you don't relate. That's why Kobe Bryant could never – yeah, like, he's literally – rest in peace. Like, he literally – that was his biggest problem was he got mad at his teammates because he just literally couldn't relate to other people not trying as hard as him. Like, and, and I think that's common. So – right. But Burrow's tricky because Burrow's superpower is kind of like actually understanding everyone. I mean, I, I I think we should honestly ban that answer because it's Good. so easy. I love that. Good. And, okay. Because it, it, it's easy, and I think Joe would be a great coach if he wants to be. So um, he is. He has an automatic spot at the table. We don't even have to talk about it. Okay, fair. I actually appreciate that. Make a better discussion. First off, if you have anyone, jump in while I'm thinking. Um, yeah, I will. Go ahead. I think... Okay, you start with like just pure IQ stuff. Jacoby Stevens ranks high. Mm-hmm. The problem is Jacoby Stevens is also like you know he's an intense guy. I don't, I don't and you know can be a hothead and like I don't know if that's like also the best fit or maybe it's a perfect fit. I just I wonder. Um, Foster Moreau ranks high because of like 
he just kind of thinks like a coach already, you know, like okay. number 18, like he fits in that thing. I think uh, Jim Nagy runs a senior bowl, even like tweeted like a year ago, like this guy's going to be a head coach when it's done. He comes up, but I'm, I feel like there's someone better that I'm missing. Jump in if you have anyone. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking too. Well, okay. It's easy to start. The 18s is a very easy well for us it's to pull It's safe. From. Yeah. It's very safe. Hmm. I'm thinking, I mean, she mentioned um, Devin White uh, mm. as a uh, as as maybe part of it. I mean, she she mentioned it as part of a different question, but I, I thought it was a good inclusion. I mean, I think Devin um, White would be a good coach in general because, like, he actually did a fantastic job. I will always give him credit for this of like always helping like coach younger guys. Like, he was very mm-hmm. good at that. So yeah. Well, and and I think you also have to have the charisma that Devin has, and that a lot of these guys have to be a recruiter. I mean, we're going realistic here. No, it's totally true. Yeah, but then there's like, yeah, like some guys, it's like, hey, maybe they're more of like a position coach than like a scheme guy, or some guys maybe, like Foster Rowe might be an even better head coach than he would be like a scheme guy. I don't know. Um, okay, there's so many. Oh, who? Nah, he might be a little quiet. Because like Lloyd Cushenberry does rank kind of high in people. Like, I think Lloyd Cushenberry will be a great O-line coach one day. Like, there are more talented guys than Lloyd Cushenberry, but he was already like coaching this O-line as a senior, you know? So I think he'll be an O-line coach one day. Um, I really am going to think about this for a second. I'm not giving up yet because I think there's some great ones. You haven't jumped in confidently with a pick yet. I haven't yet because it, it, it's a tough question. I mean, I, I like Foster Moreau. Um, it's maybe recency bias, but I do like Damone Clark. Mm. Seems like he has he has the temperament for it and he has the the devotion for it. Uh, am, am I being stupid there? Not stupid. I don't quite see it, but I mean, obviously, I'm not like Damone Clark's a really good dude and smart. So yeah, I mean, it's totally possible. Um, hmm. What about Trey White? So I will actually admit ignorance there. I, I, I'm pretty familiar with like most of the old players' stories. You know what I mean? Like I, I know mm-hmm. Tyron. You know I know all that stuff. I feel like Trey White. I kind of missed. Like I was the year after me, and I never got like the full Trey stories. I don't really know a ton about Trey. I, I, I think yeah, I, I, I like him as a candidate. I love it. Um. Oh man. I think Jacoby Stevens does have to be somewhere in there. Like Jacoby Stevens, I okay. think will be like a general manager or something if it works out well. Um, and the funny thing is, Burrow might be more of a GM one day, like a John Elway. You know, I actually think that I could see that. Maybe re- maybe that would fit Burrow better. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, it's why I think Tom Brady is like. I mean, it's already been rumored, but like Tom Brady's probably going to be a team owner, like like Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like I think that's something Tom Brady will be really good at. The bummer is, I want after this twenty nineteen Bucks season, twenty twenty Bucks season. I want Tom Brady to be a coach because he's actually in the category of stars who I think could be a coach because you literally saw him in 2020. Like, like remember like all the stories like mid season, basically Bruce Arians was like, okay, run your offense. And just like, yeah, he just ran his offense. Like, it's like, Oh man, I want to see him coach. Um, man, why we're going to like, I'm not giving do up we, on do this. We think, okay, here's because here's I just, I know that... I'm going to be like, someone's going to message us. And I'm going to be so mad about it. And I need I to know. think there's someone obvious. I mean, do you think that a kicker could be a good coach? Like, what about Cade no. York? Or the the like, answer is um, unfortunately no, but Cade York is yeah. a really smart guy, and he will probably be good at anything. Um, oh, my God. Okay, so corners, safeties, um, linebackers. Hmm. That's why I said Damone Clark, because his linebackers have to process a lot. And- Ooh, I have a candidate. Hey. I do have a candidate. Not even, I mean, first off, he is very smart. 
but like not even from the like i think he's going to be some scheme guru thing i just could see him being a very good like college coach richard lawrence Oh, I can see that. Because oh, it's man. it's more than just, first off, he is smart. I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like he's actually one of the smartest guys on the team. But, like, there, it is more than just being, like, a smart football guy, right? It's, like, culture stuff. It's, like, maturity. Yeah. It's, like, I'm like, oh, I think Richard Lawrence would actually be a great head coach. That's that's a um that, that that's a good call because that's what it is a better distillation of what I was trying to say with temperament for recruiting yes. and, like, yes. for being that CEO. Yeah, totally. And, uh, I ooh, like that. I like that. Because, um, like... By the way, like Braid Foco wants to be on TV, and I think he will be. Like, he'll be very good on TV. Uh, yeah. If it works out, like, that he gets that opportunity. So, like, he'd be in that category. Um, yeah. Okay. Richard Lawrence. That's that's our head coach, everybody. Yeah. I've um, never been more frustrated ending an episode because it's such an incredible prompt, and I can't quite get it down. But I love that. I do like Richard Lawrence. I mean, the great thing is that we can discuss this on social media, on email, and you know, we'll keep the talk going. I mean, I'm sure everybody is going to just send us every name that they can think of in, in the best way. And I'm going to argue them. Uh, Richard only had six tackles last year. I, You know, maybe he could just spend a few years in the NFL and come back and coach LSU. Sounds great to me. <laughs> I mean, did he have a really good year in his first year, though? Also, um, we don't judge, like, those kind of defensive linemen by tackles. Come on. I, I'm just I'm just saying, Brody. Damn. He had seven starts this year. Like that's good. His job yeah. is to take up blocks. Um uh, I think that's a great thing. Um everybody send send us your candidates. Um what is our emoji this week, Brody? Oh man, I didn't think about it. Uh oof. I'm thinking pencil. Pencil. Just trying to get All as right. random as I can each time. I love it. Um well Pencil in us uh, for your last five minute questions, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna have a good time. I mean, I, I honestly, this is my favorite part of the show now. Uh, as much as I love our football talk, this is where we can really become ourselves. And uh, I was serious about that pizza party, so uh, yeah. let us know if you guys would be interested in that, and we'll we'll try to figure something out for for maybe a live show um, in in the future. So, uh, anything else? Anything I missed, Brody? No, man. Good podding great pod uh thank you guys for listening greatest five stars everywhere and we'll see you next week 